Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Unlike the last few weeks, it's been a slightly quiet week over the last few days after the high of the IPL auction. But it's India, there's always sporting action. We've seen India whitewash the West Indies and are now lying in wait for the Sri Lankans who are on their way to India. While there is a lot of action on the field, there is also a controversy brewing off the field with Ridhiman Saha. To talk about that and a lot more, here's Ayaz Memon. Hello, Mr. Fantastic. As always, a pleasure to, to be on the show with you. And yes, uh, in, in a sense, it's not been as action-packed as it was uh, during the IPL auction. I mean, the, the, the cricket scenario in India. And yet, there's been a lot of stuff going on. There was this uh, 3-0 victory over uh, West Indies in the T20 series, which was, I think, fantastic from the point of view of India, uh, or at least the team management of uh, Rahul Ravid, the coach, and captain uh, Rohit Sharma, ticking off many boxes. Remember, the T20 World Cup is going to be played at the end of this year in Australia. And uh, India looked very disjointed when this when the home season began. Things are improving. Not that all questions have been answered, but there's been certainly lots of progress made. We'll talk about that. And also, Riddhiman Saha and the controversy that has erupted around him, his future and present uh, in Indian cricket and what it means actually, what are the ramifications of this controversy. But let's first, let me first talk about the T20 series. Now, one is, of course, the 3-0 triumph is a 3-0 triumph. And remember, T20 is the West Indies' strongest suit. Uh, they are the best in this format. As the you know formats get longer, they don't seem to be as good. But to beat West Indies 3-0 in the ODIs and then follow it up with a 3-0 scoreline in the T20, uh, T20 series was, I think, terrific work by India, all said and done. And lots of questions answered. Remember, this series was played without four crucial members. Ravindra, in fact, five, if I might include Washington Sundar. So let me say KL Rahul, Ravindra Jadeja, Washington Sundar, Jasprit Bumrah, and Mohammad Shami not there. And I would imagine that, you know, all of them if, if should be in the squad when the World Cup team is announced at some later stage towards the end of the year. So despite the absence of these guys, if India wins 3 0, it's terrific. The other plus points, Surya Kumar Yadav, in my opinion, the most creative and you know inventive batsman in white ball cricket in India currently. Uh, he just put a stamp in this series with some sparkling half centuries. He's not a spring chicken. He's almost thirty, so he knows that time has you know is running out for him. He needs to make the most of it now, and he did it in in terrific style. Uh, I was also impressed with Venkatesh Iyer. He uh, looked very undercooked when he made his uh, when he played for India first. Uh, he had come on the back of a terrific season in the IPL. Looked a little undercooked at the international level. But here, in the bilateral series, he showed the finishing prowess that India needs. And then, of course, he also bowled well. Maybe he needs to improve his fielding a bit. So if you've got Rishabh Pant, who's batted well, and you've got Surya Kumar Yadav, who's been batted superbly, and Venkatesh Ayer, who's living up to potential, that gives you a fine array of batsmen you know, in the middle order and as the finishers and add to this Jadeja and Washington Sundar and maybe a Shardul Thakur. And you've got a fantastic lineup coming up. So there's always been this complaint that India's batting does not run too deep. But in the, if this is the scenario, then it would run very deep. The return of the leg spinners. But before I get to the leg spinners, let me complete, of course, about the batting. How can I forget? Virat Kohli, spankingly good half century in the last ODI after the string of low scores. Uh, it just looked like he was coming into his own. 
he's been given time out from the series against uh, he he's not he didn't play the last match uh, and he's not going to play the the T20 series against uh, uh, Sri Lanka so you know he showed good rhythm good form good ambition good hunger for runs and of course his feet were moving well the hands were doing the kind of things that we expect or we've come to expect from Virat which is stroking the ball superbly and timing it well all that so it just if you have rohit rahul virat pant suryakumar yadav venkatesh ayer ravinder jadeja washington sundar chardul thakur if you if you need him it just becomes a very formidable batting lineup and then you add in i think what was one of the big gains of this series against the west indies was the the introduction or reintroduction of yuzvendra chahal and the introduction of ravi bishnoi the two leg spinners very contrasting styles uh yuzvendra chahal amongst the wickets but more impressive i thought was the youngster bishnoi uh, who had the west indies batsman big strikers of the ball at sixes and sevens they just couldn't read his googlies uh, and he bowls at a little faster pace than yuzvendra chahal never easy to pick up so he's been for me the find uh, of the series so all in all it's looking like india are getting to a situation where their core team is more or less getting established we'll have to wait and see how it uh, how the team fares against sri lanka because remember sri lanka may be a better side than the west indies were because they also from the subcontinent and may understand these conditions and the pitches better but the overall picture uh, is looking far rosier for india than it did uh, say 3 4 months ago and of course i must also give plaudits to uh, rohit sharma for captaining quite superbly he always looked in in control he looked tactically very astute which we've known him to be especially in the white ball format his test will be uh, against uh, sri lanka in the test matches but as of now to win two series 3-0 3-0 is a terrific performance by rohit sharma and the indian team absolutely just a quick thought on the west indies now they definitely had a few good performances nicolas puran for instance absolutely shone in head and shoulders above everyone else but kiran pollard seems to have lost all form confidence uh, i know he's going to stay on for the ipl but uh, do you think he's a bankable player the way he was maybe just a couple of years ago that's a good question you know there are some players i mean i must i i should have mentioned ishan kishan's name uh, in a similar context playing for india because he just couldn't get going uh, you know price tag of being the most expensive player sold in the ipl auction may have weighed on him i don't know but he just looked a little out of sorts just didn't get going at all karan pollard is was in a similar category i'm not comparing them because karan pollard is a much much senior player has uh, been around and actually he's the linchpin of the west indies team and he just just looks so off color didn't he he, he looked he he looked devoid of uh, even as captain he looked devoid of any imagination about what to do this is what i meant he just didn't seem to have that sense of enterprise yes you know they've got a bunch of big hitters who tried to slog the ball and you know in, in the second match at least they ran india close but you just can't say hit out or get out strategy will work you have to have a better tactic than that in the bowling changes he made in the batting and you know what defies my understanding is that he's the he is the most senior most pro in the team he's the captain he's a he's a player that the opposition dreads and sometimes you saw him batting after behind akil hussain and some of the others which to me was quite bizarre so uh, you know is obviously somebody who's not going through a good spell uh, as a batsman or as a captain and that made an impact to the west indies fortunes i would say 
Moving on to the next series that's up for India, it's against Sri Lanka, who are a, who are in a similar condition, aren't they? A team under rebuilding. I mean, the West Indies has been rebuilding for 20 years. Uh, Sri Lanka hasn't been rebuilding for that long. But uh, they've had a they've had a few decent runs in Australia. They won a game there. Uh, they've had a few new players emerge. Uh, but do you foresee a similar sort of a result and a similar one-sided contest even against the Sri Lankans? Actually, you know... <laughs> Ironically, India would like a tougher contest because they want to prepare for the World Cup. So, they would be hoping, uh, Dravid and Rohit and some of the other players, uh, that, you know, because the, the stiffer the matches and if you win those, then the better prepared you get. Sri Lanka, they had they had a, I mean, they lost the series in, in Australia, in the T20 series, but they had a, some, some interesting performances. They won the last match. Uh, I think the guys to watch out are Onindu Hasaranga, who, be, who fetched a fancy prize from RCB in the auction. Some of the others, Jamira is another guy who's been successful. It's a team under being rebuilt, and uh, but they've got some exciting young players and as, as I think is uh, would be the case and this could be some kind of worry for India is that these guys are better used to the conditions obtained in India than maybe the West Indies, West Indians were. Having said that, let's not, let's not forget that most of this West Indies team plays in the IPL. So, there was no excuse for them not to know the conditions or the pitches. But I just feel that the Sri Lankans, maybe, so the West Indies came with the, the tag of being twice world champions in T20. And uh, the, the Sri Lankans don't carry this tag at all. So, in that sense, they'll come here as the underdogs and whatever they do will be to their credit. So, that's something that India need to be on their guard against. Don't take them lightly. Absolutely. Well, it's hopefully another chance for a lot of these uh, emerging players in the India squad to make a mark. Unfortunately, whatever they do here may not hold true given the World Cup is actually happening in Australia. And at the start of the Australian summer where pitches and conditions might be very different from what they're uh, playing in right now. Moving on to some other not-so-happy tidings. I have a very simple question for you, Ayaz. What's happening with Riddhiman Saha? I mean, it's, you know, it's just spun out of control in my opinion because uh, and imagine put yourself in Riddhiman Saha's place. So, you've got the chief coach Rahul Ravid telling him, uh, you know, more or less that your days are over. This is what the selectors feel and therefore I'm telling you as player to player or former player to current player, uh, words to that effect. Now, Rahul Ravid says, look, uh, this is this is me. I would rather tell, tell the player up front than let him hear it from the media and then people ask, or he asked me, why didn't you let me know? Uh, then there's Chetan Sharma, the chief selector, who has words, you know, similar words or sentiment to express, almost telling him, you know, I mean, basically the net-net is of both these guys sounding or indirectly or directly telling Rudiman Saha, uh, buddy, it's time you retired. Uh, that's the message he got. And then there's a, uh, you know, backgrounder to this, which is that, when he made 61 against New Zealand not too long back and a fighting 61, he got a message from the BCCI president, who's also a former captain of India, Saurav Ganguly, where Ridhiman says that he, he was told by Saurav through a text that, you know, as long as I'm there, don't worry, you'll be in the squad at least. Now, if I'm a player, I would be thoroughly confused, terribly confused. The BCCI president is telling me something. Chairman of the selectors is saying something else in his press conference after announcing the team without me being there. The chief coach is advising me virtually to kind of give up. Uh, so, what am I supposed to do? My net thing in this is, and there's another story also which is run concurrently, which is about a journalist kind of threatening him, which is what he put out on, on social media. You know, 
either you appear for the interview with me or else you know i won't support you and this will be an insult and words to that effect but i'll i'll talk about that a little later first thing is i think where there's a mistake not in the nature of the communication or the intention but retirement is a personal issue it's not as you can't foist a retirement situation on any player however old he may be saha is 37 of course time is running out for him but he may want to play till he is 45 who knows and is the job of the selectors to choose him or not it's not in anybody's prerogative to to advise a player when to retire somebody may want to retire at 32 somebody may want to retire at 42 so i think that was not not necessarily something that should have been done and of course it kind of riled the situation because of the message he had got from salav ganguly so he was a thoroughly bewildered and perplexed person uh, and he, as he explained now that he had opted out of the ranji trophy because his wife was unwell from dengue fever now all this while all this was going on he had a request from a journalist or not a request actually a demand or a command uh, which he put out screenshots of he didn't name the journalist he's not going to name it he says but it couldn't have been a happy situation for him that now he is also being blackmailed into saying you are better come on my show otherwise you know i'll teach you a lesson and i think here i want to take a position which is very strong which is that is you know i i hate to see journalists and that's my profession behaving like this because that's not your job i mean you know yes competition means that you have to chase players and get stories but there's a more ethical way of doing it uh, rather than what we've seen with ridiman saha the other is of course also from a player's point of view why do you get yourself into such situations where it almost seems as if you are beseeching some journalist to not that saha did it but portray you project you write about you so i think that also is a situation that needs to be addressed now a lot of former players have come out in saha's defense and they've asked some of them have even asked the bcca president to intervene and say listen some action should be taken i don't know whether that's the that's the solution i think both sides uh, need to kind of move back a little and review the situation from their own from, from the point of view of their own vocations and i think that the answer is clear you know there are certain roles there is a role that journalists have sports journalists or cricket writers there is a role that players have and while there is nothing wrong to having good relations between players and uh, And, and the media but there has to be a certain you know church and state divide if if i may if i may put it that way that while you may be good friends you're still a journalist and while uh, you may be good friends with the media you're still a player and you have a job to do absolutely well this whole saga could have been avoided do you also think it's time that the bcci handled its players a little better especially when they reach a point uh, where it's time to sort of well to put it mildly put them out to pasture and it's it's in this case you know it could have been possible to have a chat and a sit down with saha and tell him you are no longer a part of our plans for the next few years and therefore we'd like to plan a retirement for you figure out a series and go out on a high it's possible to do that i think i to be fair i think what dravid perhaps tried to do was have that chat uh, you know in the capacity of a coach chief coach chief coach of the team and because he's privy to the way the selectors are thinking or what he wants the team to be along with the captain so that part i'll say yes but the, look at the confusion because the bcci president is saying something else and the chief selector and the chief you know chief coach are saying something quite different so that to me suggests that there is a, quite a lot of muddled thinking and muddled way of going about things and let's not uh, forget the way the captaincy transition was handled there also there was so much confusion you had the, the then captain of india 
uh, denying that you know what has been said by the bcci president was correct or at you know there was a, a tutu meme between them so overall if you look at what's been happening in the last 6 8 months it seems to me that there is confusion confounded in many ways absolutely well let's hope that there are lessons learned and upcoming retirements and upcoming players going out are treated a little better but well that's only for us to wish we've seen this in the past and unfortunately something tells me we'll continue to see this in the future well uh, moving on to some other sports let's talk about all the action that's happening in the world of football uh Manchester United have finally figured out a way to score and win away from home so i know somil's going to be happy and with that and a lot more news here he is hi folks welcome to this football part of the sports weekly episode and i've got such a quirky story to start off this episode with you because genuinely this is just the most bizarre incident that's happened in the she believes cup that you have to know about So the She Believes Cup is a football tournament in the world of women's football and it's quite star-studded quite a few big teams play there and one of the big fixtures that most people expected to see a big match in was New Zealand versus the United States now something absurd happened there New Zealand well they got thrashed we thought that this would be a close match but United States ended up beating New Zealand 5-0 but the quirky part is not the result but actually how we got to the result because Malaika Moore just had the most unfortunate day in the world okay 5 minutes into the game she scored an own goal it's all right players do score an own goal but a minute later she scored her second one okay it's all right lightning can strike twice it's it's not it's not too bad right two own goals it's okay you see another good team maybe they can fight back but 30 minutes later malaikla actually ended up scoring her third own goal in the end USA beat New Zealand 5-0. There was no way they were recovering from that. It's just absurdly sad if you end up watching the video of the own goals after that. Ah, oh, you have to feel for Malaika. What what an unfortunate day it was for her. And what do you even do in that case? You you can't as a teammate convince her and say, "No, nah, it's all right, just tough luck, mate." Because it happens once, it happens twice, it happens thrice. It gets annoying beyond the point. Ah, oh, quirky, bizarre, call it what you want, but hardly hardly what New Zealand wanted. in this match in the she believes cup but talking of things that fans want talking of things that teams want chelsea finally got what they wanted chelsea in a processional match if i may call it that way ended up winning the club world cup against palmeiras now it might look processional in terms of the scorecard 2-1 but my word this was close lukaku scored the first goal palmeiras got a penalty through rafael velga who equalized and scored the second one and it was only through a late a really late late extra time penalty for Kai Havertz that Chelsea were able to score the second goal and get that 2-1 win it got close mind you it got really close right there but Chelsea well all the way through they looked like the good team but Palmeiras were hard to defeat hard to break down and this is it Chelsea have sealed it the European Super Cup the Champions League and the Club World Cup well you can call them the best team in the world by that logic but in the Premier League man they are having a tough time because manchester city are running away with it at the end of this match day they have got around 5 8 points ahead of liverpool uh, let me calculate very very quickly it's 6 points ahead of liverpool with one game remaining for liverpool that is but in terms of the matches they beat crystal palace 1-0 it was a bad game though chelsea didn't look in flow didn't look in song squeeze pass that's what it was but wolves well 
They won 2-1 against Leicester City. That is one match you must watch this weekend. Leeds got beaten down 2-4 by Manchester United at Ellen Road. To be honest, that always happens because Leeds United is a team that doesn't really defend that well. And the same goes for Manchester United. So when they play, it's an exciting fixture. And United were the team able to score more goals. So good on them to get back on running form. Then after that, we had Southampton beating Everton 2-0. Tough start to life for for Frank Lampard over there. Liverpool versus Norwich ended in 3-1 in Liverpool's favour. Arsenal beat Brentford in their early season rematch, getting 2-1 up. But the big one, the absolute big one, where we saw Manchester City's lead cut down, is the match where they lost 2-3 against Tottenham Hotspur. And my, oh my, this was some time for Harry Kane to come back firing. His two goals eventually ended Manchester City's game, basically. He got a late, late winner in minute 90 plus 5. And that came after Riyad Mahrez scored the equaliser in 90 plus 2 for Manchester City. This is one match that you must watch. Club World Cup final, yeah, it was fine for the excitement but the quality of football. It could have been better. But for this one, this was proper counter-attacking stuff. Tottenham never had the match, never had the game, never had possession, never had control. But guess who made most of all their shots? It was Spurs. It was a proper Antonio Conte win. Well, yes, City's lead at the top might be a little bit compromised right now, but they still have six points of an advantage and still have one game extra over Liverpool. And one game extra, uh, I mean, yeah, Liverpool have one game extra on them is what I mean to say. But City still are six points ahead. So even if the result goes in Liverpool's favour, they'll still be three points ahead. So life is good at Manchester City. Things are fine. Same with Liverpool. With Chelsea, they need some sort of resurgence in the Premier League. But my word, the Club World Cup just adds to the list of glorious trophies that they've got in there. That's all, folks, for Football on Sports Weekly this time. Catch you next week with more updates, not just on football, but also on the return of Formula One. See you. Thanks so much, Samuel, for that. Uh, We'll look forward to more updates from you in the coming week. There's a lot of Champions League action as well to cover. Uh, Thanks, Ayaz, for being on the show. Next week should be another fun one as we start getting closer to the IPL and start an IPL countdown where we look at all of the teams very, very closely. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Remember to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks a lot, Mr. Fantastic. We'll catch up next week. 